Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. If you want to come and grab a seat, come and grab a a bit of stump. We're going to start a little differently this morning. So if you can begin coming in, that'll be spectacular. Grab a chair. So why don't we just take a moment? We're just going to, we're not going to worship to start with. We're just going to pray together and then I'm going to, we're going to give some announcements and let you know our plans forward and then we will break bread together and we're going to worship for as long as we need to. So why don't we just take a moment, just close our eyes. We're just going to bring ourselves before God. Jesus, we, we just come this morning, Lord. We ask, Holy Spirit, that your peace just fill this room. We ask, Holy Spirit, that in the chaos of this time, Lord, we can bring ourselves before you calmly and succinctly, Father, just to worship you, to open our eyes and our ears to hear from you. We worship you, Jesus. We come this morning because you are worthy. We come this morning, Lord, just to give ourselves to you, to offer up all that we have because you are worthy, Jesus. thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. We thank you that we can still meet this morning. Just take a moment where you are. Just begin to pray. Whatever it is that comes on your heart, whatever comes in your mind, just begin to pray right where you are now. Just begin to speak. Jesus, 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 thank you for who you are. Come on, let's raise our voice. Let's just pray. This time, Jesus, you are worthy, worthy, worthy. Jesus, 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 God, we worship you, we honor you. You are worthy. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you in this time, Lord. We trust you in this time. We trust you in this time, Jesus. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, Jesus. In this place, we trust you, Jesus. Lord, we trust you. Jesus, 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 we trust you, Lord. God, you are worthy. Jesus, we declare your kingship in this city. We declare your kingship in this nation, Lord. Your name is bigger than all names. Your name, Jesus, above any other name, Lord. Your name is above the fear of this thing, Lord. Your name is above the name of this thing, Lord. Your name rules and reigns in this place, Jesus. And we worship you because of who you are and because of what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to come and be with us this morning, to move through us for your power to fall this morning, for us to see a glimpse of your face this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I wanted to start this morning a little differently because I don't want us to be interrupted when we go into praise and worship. Jess and I have been speaking a lot. We've been on a lot of phone calls with different church leaders and spending a lot of time talking through this, listening to the news reports and, and trying to get valid information and 
we we gathered this morning because we are still um, under the guidelines that the government set out for us. We believe in this time that that Scott Morrison and the the council, whether you like them or not, are for the church. They are making decisions to keep the church open, to keep the church alive. This isn't about the government trying to force us to close. That's not what's happening here. They're trying to make wise decisions. And I was talking with a friend yesterday uh, who leads the church after us, and they're going to meet this evening as well. And we were talking, and I said, there's a difference between understanding faith and wisdom. You need to have faith that God's going to stand and, and that this thing's going to be broken, that we stand as a people, but we also need to be wise in this time as well. So everything, we're, every decision we're making, we're wrestling with these two things. Are we filled with faith in making that decision, and is it wise? That's the two questions we're asking God. Is this, is this wise for us to be doing this, or do we lack faith in doing this? So we're wrestling with these two things the whole time, but what I do want us to understand is the people around you are going to have a different faith level to you. One thing we see often in the, the, the faith community is people get cranky for someone for trying to navigate the thing on their own. Saying, oh, I don't know if that's, we should be doing that. You can't, you can't crush somebody else's level of faith. You need to, we need to be pulling each other up, not tearing each other down. So if someone besides you is, is double washing their hands or, or not wanting to interact with you, please don't yell at them and tell them to have more faith, brother. That's, that's not what we're doing in this. That's not helpful. That's tearing down, not pulling up. So in this time, we're going to pull each other up. We're going to bring each other into faith and not tear each other apart. We're supposed to be a family and loving for one another. Let's love one another. Let's honor. If that person across from you doesn't want to hug you, don't hug them. Do whatever it is they're asking to be done because we want to honor and we want to stand in faith at the same time. Jessica, give it to them. Hello. Hello. Okay. For um, Ben and I, this has been a really interesting week. Um, I personally got really excited about the fact that we had to rethink how we do church. Um, for a very long time, for as long as I've been alive, it's happening the same way. We come to church on a Sunday, we sit, we worship, we go home. So this week, we've been talking to a lot of people about how we can actually change the way that we do church. And for us, um, church has always looked like centering it around prayer, worship, and His Word. And sorry, I just want to make sure I'm articulating myself properly. Um, so it's something that we're really excited about, and we've actually come together with a plan, knowing that every day is changing at the moment. So we ask that you do be patient with us. Um, and if you do have questions, please ask um, and know that we are thinking about each one of you um, and we are trying to help everyone to not feel like they're lonely in this time. Um, so we're going to continue to meet until the government says that we can't do so. As Ben said before, we're still within that requirement. Um, but what we want to do is prepare for, the, for what's kind of happening in all the other parts of the world. Um, so we want to actually get everyone into a home group. Our home groups happen fortnightly. Um, we've opened up three more home groups. Um, one with Shining Coco, one with Josh, and one, another one with Ben that's going to run in the mornings. 
um, just for the circumstances of uh, mums and older elderly people. Um, there is a sheet at the back that we want everyone, if you're not in a home group, I can't stress enough, we really want you to get in a home group so that we can make sure that everyone is staying connected. Um, they will still continue to run fortnightly. Um, and the only other thing that I, we had this little idea about is, if you are able to help someone, can you please put your name and phone number down the back, that, um, down the back so that they can come to you um, for help? And then if you are also unable to leave your home, can you please put your name down the back as well so that we can pair you up with people who can actually go and get you groceries, go to a pharmacy, even if it's just to give you a phone call during the week. Um, and the only other thing that I personally want to do and encourage you guys to do is pick up your phones. If you're feeling like you need a phone call, pick up your phone and give someone else a call in our community and say, hey, how you're going? Just have, talk about coronavirus. That seems like talking about the weather these days. Um, but please, let's stay as a family and continue that community together. The, in this, the, the attack for us that we're seeing, the attack from the enemy that's, that's going to hurt the church and not our church, the wider church, I know I've referenced it a lot, but in, in the book, The Art of War, there's, a, there's a, a section about how a lot of people build war, and one of the attacks that happens in that is isolation. The enemy wants us isolated because when we isolate, we start thinking through our own heads, we start getting in our own strength, we, we start to stress and worry and build up all this, this fear and anxiety. It's a, it's a build up inside us, and what happens is, is that we don't communicate that with somebody else to help them talk it through. We've had a few phone calls this week where people have phoned us and been quite stressed and anxious. Just being able to talk through what's happening is able to relieve some of that stress and anxiety. We're supposed to self-isolate. That's what they're asking us to do. Do that. If you are ill, do that. But you can, in this world we live in, there's Skype, there's phones, there's Facebook. Call somebody. Like Jess said, if you are lonely and you're thinking, no one's called me, that's because God's prompting you to call somebody. Phone whoever it is. Phone the person you're sitting next to. If you don't have someone's phone numbers, you've got this morning. Gather as many phone call numbers as you can. Or ring me. If you don't have my phone number, I'll give it to you. And we have a database with everyone's numbers, and we can send it so you can call somebody. The other thing is this. A lot of the response to this, and I'm not critiquing it or criticizing it, I'm just saying it's not what we feel to do. A lot of other churches are going online. We don't feel to do that. In my understanding, my prayer time, I can't see how we continue community online. It just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I can, we can get a worship team, we can live stream, I can stand here on a Sunday morning and we can stream it into your homes, but we lose everything that we've tried to build. The church has called it our community. I don't believe we can do a community online. So this is what we are going to do. In those home groups, there's going to be a time where still, I'm still going to teach and I'm still going to bring teachers and, and people in and we're going to bring sermons into those home groups. But we want you praying together, worshipping together. Use Spotify. You don't need a guitarist. We've got our fingertips on all kinds of different worship material. So we can worship and we can do that. Is that okay? Does anyone have any questions? Not statements or comments, we're looking for questions if there are any. 
I know that sounds a little abrupt, but I need to communicate what we've been thinking through. So if there's a question, I'm happy to answer that. No questions. Coco. Spectacular question. Will Thursday night prayer and the worship gatherings continue? At this stage, yes, we are going to continue to worship. Sorry, we're going to continue to gather to pray. As I'm going to preach in a very moment before we go into worship, I'm going to preach briefly. There's some things that God's asked us to do in this time, I believe. And one of those things is prayer and worship. Please be praying. If you can get here, get here. It's so important. If we can, if we have to pack all the chairs up and introduce two meter rulers at the door and you've got to carry a ruler, we will do that. If we have to go outside and just carry a speaker and pray in the car park, we will do that. This is a time which I'm going to preach about in a moment. This is a time the church must stand up. Come and pray. If there's too many of us, we move outside. If there's too many of us, we move to a park. It's imperative we stand in the moment. It's imperative that we pray together. So yes, at this moment, we will continue prayer. This Thursday night, we will be gathering here. Unless the government makes a drastic change, to which we will announce it on Facebook, the app, and via text message. If you don't have or can't get one of those three mediums, come and see me. And we will get you onto one of those so that you can get the updates. Any other questions? Yep. So there will be um, mine and Jess's home, which is in Narang. Dan and Haley's home, which is in Parkwood, Arundel. Ah, uh, sorry. Which, which, what areas are the home groups? Community groups. So Jess and my place is in Narang. Dan and Haley's in Parkwood, Arundel. Um, Sean and Coco's will be in Paradise Point. Uh, Josh's will be run out of here. Yep, here. And Dave and Cherise, Dave and Cherise is in uh, Ashmore. And the Monday one, the Monday one, depending on who signs up, will depend on where we go for that. So if we get three or four people, and you guys all live in in Southport, I'll come to Southport. I will. We will create that one. I, I want that Monday morning. Maybe Monday morning is not best either. Happy to be flexible for that. To offer an opportunity to the older guys or guys who don't want to come to bigger gatherings. I want to offer an opportunity for that to happen where we can go through the word, pray together, those sorts of things. Is that, is that clear? So if, if you see one at the back, I think the areas are on there where they are. If, if you, if you just sign up to one and talk to that person or we'll get them to contact you via phone. Is there any more questions? Once, twice, thrice. No more questions. All right. Do you want to take the kids? I'm going to preach for like 20 minutes-ish. We are going to worship, I promise. I, I'm, I, that, I, I want to worship like you wouldn't believe. But I, I, feel like there's, I feel like there's some stuff on my heart that I want to, I want to put out first. Oh, the other announcement, which I will do more online as well, is that we are postponing Adam. 
We're going to postpone the time with Adam. He just rang me this morning. He's a bit worried because he's, well, he's not worried. He's been cautious because his sister's just gone into isolation and he was going to see his sister while he was here too. And they've just closed off the Northern Territory. So you can't go to the Northern Territory without a 14-day um, self-isolation time. That There's a potential of that going further and we don't want him stuck on the Gold Coast when his family's in Adelaide. So we're going to postpone that time. I want to communicate this, but I, I also understand that it's not, it's not really an a issue for me. But I, I'm not worried by this thing at all, to be brutally honest. I was praying last night. I was chatting with Jess. And I said, you know, this thing doesn't, it doesn't scare me and such because of, of where we position ourselves in God. And I was saying, Jess, it's so hard to say that and not be um, a little bit... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna, even going to use a word. Um, because I, I really do believe truly in all that I am that, that God has this in his hands. And I understand that, that it's different because I'm not, I'm not of the age bracket that is, is dying for this and, and, and my job's always kind of, finances are always kind of rocky anyway and, and unsure of where they're coming. So I kind of, I guess I'm kind of used to that. But more than anything, I, I'm looking and I'm going everywhere in scripture that I see, God has the people's back. He protected Israel. Everywhere you read, you see a, a nation, a people being protected time in and time out, again and again and again. Even when they brought the, the silliness in, they were still, they were still protected. They even through through the, the, the desert, through the, the brokenness, they were protected the whole way along in the most unusual ways. And I was listening to um to to Lou Ingle um during the week and he and he said something that's that sparked absolute excitement and joy in me. I'm going to read it this morning and I've also rewritten it for this time. But what I want us to do is that fear is, is crippling. If you allow it, fear will tear you apart. And a part of the, the, the attack from the enemy in that isolation is to allow that fear to grow. One of the things that happens with, with post-traumatic traumatic stress disorder is that if something terrible happens, and it's not post-traumatic stress disorder, it's not just something that happens to people who have gone to war, people who have had cancer, who have had big illnesses, also get it. That when, if they've had cancer and they've come through it, the very moment they get the slightest amount of illness, all of a sudden, fear starts rattling back through their body. Is it cancer? Am I sick again? Do I have to go back through this thing again? And your brain starts to rattle through idea after idea after idea of what it could be. That's post-traumatic stress disorder. And what it's built on is fear. I'm not going to be able to do this again. I'm not going to make it through this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Or gonna, if you're Aussie. I'm not gonna. And what we want to do this morning is break down that fear. And the way that you break that fear is by setting your gaze off the things that you're afraid of and back onto him. And the way that we do that is by worshipping him and knowing who he is. God, I know that you're not this. In the midst of my trial, I know that you're not this. In the midst of the mess, I know that you're not this. And when we, when we take that position, in our brokenness, we find him. In our brokenness, we see who he is. And it pulls through in the way that there's absolute pain, absolute loss. And all of a sudden, we get brought into his courtroom and there is no pain. 
there is no loss. Yeah, but Ben, when I, when I come out of that place, I go back to my mess. Yeah, but I go back to my mess filled with him. I go back to my mess knowing I've been where he is and I know that he's now in me and flowing through me so I have wisdom and control to come through this situation. If you've got a Bible, go to Joel with me. Don't do what Jess did when I yelled out for her to read, a, read it and she heard Job. So I said, go read Joel. And I was writing this and I was mashing keys and she's in there and she's like, did you say Job? And I was like, no. And she's like, yeah, I didn't know where you are going with this. So she read through Job. She's like, I, I'm not sure how you manage your sermon here. I said, no, read Joel. So Joel 1, I'm going to start in. It says this. Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation what the cutting locusts left, the swarming locusts has eat, have eaten, what the swarming locusts left, the hopping locusts has eaten and what the hopping locusts have left, the destroying locusts have eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off in the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up and the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley. Because of the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up. And gladness dries up from the children of man. Gladness dries up from the children of man. 13. Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. Because grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land of the house to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clouds, the storehouses are desolate, the granaries are torn down, because the grain is dried up. How the beasts groan, the herds of cattle are perplexed, because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you, because the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Ben, you're supposed to be encouraging us in this time, not beating us down even further. But I read this, and I started thinking, flip, that's us right now. That's the nations of the world grippling, asking for more. I've never, we've never ever seen a time like this. Even they're, they're, they're matching the time as the first world war where thousands of men were dying, where there was 
There was everyone was giving money over to quote unquote the war effort. There was poverty in the land. That's what they're matching the time for. They're saying we haven't seen a time like this, like then, and this is to be worse. When I read that, I was like, I heard, I heard as I was reading it, I heard um, news clippings and and statements from from news readers about the times we're in this absolute abomination of a time, this world-ending time. But then you turn over the page and Joel 2.1 says this, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming near. Joel 2.12.17 says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows where he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast and call a solemn assembly, gather the people, Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, Where is their God? I don't believe for a moment that God has caused this pain and suffering that we're in right now. And unfortunately, there's been ministers and and quite well-known ministers starting to preach that. But I can't see how the God of love sends the very opposite of his nature, fear, into a people that doesn't make any sense. How can the God of love, and he says that fear is the opposite of love, send the the opposite nature of who he is? But you better bet your bottom dollar that God's going to use this moment that he is going to rattle his church. He's going to shake the cages. That churches are going to come through this time either not knowing who he is or desperately knowing who he is more than they've ever known before. This is either going to build churches or break churches. Build the body or break the body. And we have to decide now, what are we going to do with this? Am I going to stand up and be accounted in this time as the body of Christ? Or am I going to cower and weather the storm and just wait for something to end? 2020 was prophesied to be a powerful time. All the prophets were talking about about 2020 being the most incredible time for the church, the power of God flowing back through. And the first thing we've seen in 2020 has been absolute desolation by fires. Weeks after desolation by fires water and floods, and now a virus that's spreading quicker than people can understand and fear riddling and gripping the nation. I saw a meme the other day that said, have we tried turning 2020 off and and back on again? And I was like, that's fantastic. Unplug it, plug it back in, turn it, restart it. But you see, the church has to come through this tried and testing time because we all stood in these, I, I warned us, If we're going to sing that song, tried by fire, we're going to go through fire. That song came out and I I, I remember listening to it and thinking to myself, I don't know if I'm ready to be tried by fire. I don't know if I'm ready to to be built and made on the altar with him. 
Because that when that when we declare that and that starts to come, people start to realize, is this real? Am I really going to be a Christian in this time? Am I really going to believe in him in this time? Am I really going to grab the things that he's asking me to in this time? There's three things they're asked to do in this verse. Return and repent. Go before God. Shift your heart back onto him. Stop looking at the things of this world and put your gaze back on him. Return to him and repent. Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've made it. I'm sorry, God, that we've been in your church and we've not taken it like we should have. Now I'm sorry because the doors are closing. We have nowhere to go and I wish that I knew you more. The second thing is that we fast and pray. When Esther was in the time of need, when the, when the Israelites were dying, when God was being challenged, she called the nation to lay down the things that they wanted and to ask him to speak. We need to be praying. We need to be fasting. If we go into isolation, we're going to have more time than we've ever had before. All the excuses go out the window. But we've still got to turn the TV off. We've still got to open that Bible. Come before him and say, God, I'm serious about this. I'm not going to eat until you move. We have to fast and pray. God is speaking through those who are fasting. He's speaking through those who are putting their hands up and saying, God, I will do this. I will move. Fasting is terribly uncomfortable. It's awful and it's not a great time from experience. I didn't. I wasn't like I was sitting in there and like, yes, I'm fasting. But man, God moved and spoke to me in that time. I felt like I was encased and, in, and, and wrapped by him in a time that was so uncertain. We have to fast and we have to pray. We have to bring ourselves before him, whatever that looks like for you. Even if you say for the next three days, I'm not going to eat breakfast, I'm not going to eat lunch, I'm not going to this, I'm not going to that, I'm going to position myself. Even if we say this for the next three days, I'm going to give you, God, an hour of every day before you. We have to begin to fast and pray, bring ourselves before him. And the last thing is to worship. We have to give God reverence and adoration. We're going to have more time than we've ever had before to sit before him. Now's the time to create a culture and an understanding of worship before him. You don't need you don't need a guitarist and lights there. Even if you've only got a record player, put the record on. Scratch the record. If you've got a tape deck, put the tape on. If you've got no music at all and you're in the field, close your eyes, read Revelation. If you don't have a Bible, I will buy you one. Read Revelation and picture that throne room and just start saying the, the, the three words that the angels repeat, holy, holy, holy. And you will enter into a place of worship, adoration for him in all things. I rewrote this, I rewrote this verse in a 2020 place. And I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Because I think it's I think it's right where we're at, and I think this ver this this word speaks of us. But there's some big words that Joel uses. But I'm going to read it. Hear this, people of Australia. Listen carefully, all inhabitants of the land. This is an unusual time, and something like this has not happened before. 
Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and the children to another generation. Do not forget what is happening here. The coals and the Woolworths are empty, the toilet paper all used up. Young man pushes old man in the haste to secure his future. What the virus is leaving behind is nations secluded to their own homes, isolated to their own devices, people cut off from support and sustainability, fridge and freezers becoming empty, jobs and mortgages hang in the question. Anarchy, chaos, nihilism and unrest. Old man is dying and young man is riddled by fear. The people are lost and the beacons of light have been shut down and the future seems grim. Those who are able and willing to risk it all gather and the Lord utters his voice. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning and do not hide any of yourself from me. So let's return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger and abounding in true love and he removes the pain of this pandemic. Who will pour themselves out before the Lord and who will give all of themselves to him? With all that you are, declares, sorry, with all that you are, declare his kingship. Begin to fast. Gather with a sincere assembly. Come together with those who believe. Remember the body and the blood of Christ within the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even the nursing infants. Bring Christ into the open so that all may see. Allow the church not to be hidden, but to stand in this time. Let all those who are of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make our inheritance not a disappointment to you. Rather, make the people among the nations an outstanding example of you. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? May the nations know who God is in this time, and may your church be a shining image of you in this time. We are in a time like no other, and we have an opportunity right now to decide, not right now as in today, but as where every step we take moving forward. People are frightened. People want to be led. People are asking for, for something. What do we do? What now? How do we fix this? We have an opportunity to point them to the source of life. That list at the back isn't just for this house. We all have neighbours. All of us have a neighbour. All of us have somebody in a community who needs our help. All of us have somebody who is lost and hurting. Now, we can either say, hey, I can't go outside because I've been told not to. Then get smart with this thing. Throw a letter over your fence. Do what Domino's did the other night. Bash in the door and then run back a couple of metres and yell out from, from the street. We can get clever with this, but we cannot lay down and allow somebody else to tell us how we're to react in this time. Shani, do you guys want to, does the worship team want to come? We're going to take communion before we go into this. But before we do, I want to re-explain the blood covenant very quickly because we lose sight of the blood covenant, of what Jesus actually did at this moment. That verse says, remember him, remember the body and the blood of Christ. We don't just take this because it's Sunday morning and that's what we have to do. We take this because of what it represents and who Jesus is. And I want to remind you that a blood covenant, we don't really understand a blood covenant in the Western world because we never used them. We were civilized, quote unquote, but we missed something that actually took place in the, in the covenant. In the Hebraic culture, 
the power of a blood covenant was that it was unbreakable. That when you would enter a covenant with somebody, you entered in and they became your partner for life. We see this in a lot of nations, in African nations, in, in the, the ancient Hebraic nations. What they would do was that they would cut themselves and they would bleed together so that their blood became one blood and that they would, they would be a friend regardless of what would happen. If you went to war, your friend went to war. No questions about it. If you didn't go, they could come and kill all of your people because you, you broke the covenant of blood. We know the saying, blood is thicker than water. So the way we understand that is we say, my family, my blood family, is thicker than those that aren't family. That's not how, the, how it was ever meant. The actual saying, the actual saying actually read, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And the way they used to use it, blood is thicker than water, is that if I cut blood covenant with Tim, I'm now closer to Tim than I am my natural brother who I was born out of the same womb from because the covenant of blood was worth more than the covenant of being born from the womb of my mother. So your family becomes those in which you've actually cut covenant with. That's why God says that we're family. We become family in his body because we've all entered upon our salvation into a blood covenant that Jesus cut with God. If you go back through, and I've preached on this before and you can find it on the app, if you go back through each section that Jesus did while he was here, when he took off his garments, when he washed the feet of the disciples, when he, when he had the last supper, the, the celebratory meal, and even to the final step of the blood covenant was planting a tree and he planted that tree on Golgotha. He set up a blood covenant with God the Father that can never ever be broken. And then he said, you come into me. When you die and raise again, you raised again in me in a covenant that can never ever be broken. So what that means is that we are now in a covenant with God the Father. So guess what? When we go to war, he comes to war. When we have a problem, he has a problem. When he's triumphant and celebrates, we're triumphant and celebrate. This communion is the remembrance of cutting covenant with God the Father through Christ. And in him now we're seated. We are at battle right now. The church is at war. My heart broke this morning when I saw a friend that I'm friends with sitting on his couch with a TV on and, and the service and I understand but my heart broke because he was sitting at home on his own watching a service to get something from the guy that was preaching and I'm like that's not swinging a sword why why can't we gather together even if it was okay we're going to do a conference call and we're just going to worship we all have horrible voices but we're going to worship because of who he is we're going to stand in that place because of who he is we have to be wise in this time i understand and not gather together and and affect people i understand all of that but at the end of the day i go but i've cut covenant with the, the lord with the creator with god the creator of the heavens and the earth i'm covenant i'm in a blood covenant with him that He is going to stand with me when I fight. When I'm broken and I'm lost, He fights with me. There was a setting in the, in the steps of the blood covenant that they would take their weapon belt off. 
and they would lay it down before the person they were cutting covenant with. And it was to say, I will fight for you regardless of what happens. In this covenant, I will fight for you. The reason we can enter into worship and come into the throne room of God is because of what Jesus did on that cross. He died so that we can be brought into Him. So when we worship right now, I want us to come and take communion. We're going to worship, and I don't know how long we're going to worship for until Cherie decides that we're not going to worship any longer today. That's how long we're going to go for. If you need to go home, you can go home. But we're going to stand and we're just going to worship Him. So why don't you stand?